welcome to the Directors UK podcast. In this episode, you'll hear from the writer and director Martin McDonough about his film Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri. He spoke to us about how he built this world of the small town in rural America and how he incorporates the directing process into his writing at an early stage. Hi, I'm Damon Wise. Please welcome Martin McDonough. We've got a nice amount of time for questions. I'm going to start off with the easy ones. Um, But after about 15 minutes, feel free to jump in. Um, A very, very obvious question. Um, What was the starting point for this film? Was it the idea? Was it the the seed of the story? Was it the character? Or was it the place? Um, It was... uh Two things, I think. Wanting to write a really strong female lead for uh, for a movie. Um, and I'd seen something on uh, a bus trip through America about 17 years ago. I saw some billboards almost exactly the same, with the same message that uh, is on the, the, the billboards in, in the film. And I thought, who, who the hell would have put that up there? What kind of rage and pain uh, would have caused that to happen and once I kind of and then I it stayed in my head for about uh 10 years I think and uh, but once I thought it, it was a, a mother um uh, a raging angry um uh, mother in pain that that, that put it up there it, the, the character just kind of popped out fully formed really but I had uh, had uh, Francis in mind the whole time when I was writing it was it always your intention to go back to America uh, for the for the next film, um, well, this film was actually written just after the script of uh, Seven Psychos. The last one was was written, but it was uh, it's like seven years old, eight years old. So it actually it could have been shot at the same time as as Seven Psychos was, but um, but but it was yeah, it was set there and uh, it had to be there. But it, it but it could have been the second film instead of the third. Could it have been a play? No. No, um, mostly because it, of it was like uh, a woman in that landscape, mm-hmm. and and um, a woman in a small town, and uh, a woman destroying a small town, and uh, and you need a town for that. Mm. No, I, I asked that question just because in your in terms of your process, do you differentiate between wh- which projects lend themselves to the stage and which? <laughs> themselves to the, the screen yeah but it's, it's always really uh, really simple quick one if it's if it's set inside a room with like four characters it's going to be more likely a play um it, yeah if there's a cin- cinematic sweep to it it's it's going to be a movie that it's yeah it doesn't take long to uh, to decide how long did it take to write that script five weeks and how did you know what to focus on? Because it takes on a lot of um, issues, uh, as well as characters and narrative. There's there's a lot to unpack from that film. How did you decide what was important and what you would focus on? Um, well, it was it was almost more organic than that. It was basically um, um, coming up with Frances's character and just letting her uh, talk to people and uh, enrage people and uh, deal with the shit that was coming back to her. Um, so I didn't plot it out beforehand. I never do. Um, it was it was all about just setting her spinning and seeing what happened next. Literally, like 
<clears throat> the thing that happens with Woody Harrelson in the middle, I didn't know that that was going to happen until one scene before it happened. And I think, it, like, watching it, you, that, that's the nature of the film. Each scene is a reaction to the last scene and, and so on. And it's a, fic fiction, a, a fictional town. Was that was your intention? Yeah, yeah. Eb Ebbing is... Um, it, was, it was always going to be Missouri for, for, for some reason. But it was, as I said, it was written in 2009. So that was before all of the Ferguson, Ferguson stuff. Um, so, weirdly, when we came to, to start location scouting and, and deciding on if that was the place it was going to be filmed it was it was almost like is it going to be too much of a comment on you know post the post ferguson missouri um but then i guess I, I came to a point of thinking well it was written you know eight years ago there's nothing about it i want to shy away from in respect to police brutality and uh, uh racist violence i guess um so, so it was a it was a simple decision to keep it there. I, I like the three syllables too, so it would have been a pain to to change Missouri and ebbing it flows. So, where did you shoot the film? North Carolina. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it was one of those tax break uh, issues. Um, but we found a, a gorgeous town called Silver. Uh, we we searched all over the states for the perfect. Uh, perfect road and a perfect town. I went to Ohio and Mississippi and Alabama and even as far west as New Mexico. Um, but uh, once we started searching in uh, North Carolina, we saw this little town. And I wanted it to be some a place that uh, could have been a town that didn't really change from the 1940s and 1950s. In some ways, the last picture show was a bit of a template, um, shadow of a doubt, even um, uh, like a like a one horse town um, where a character could throw a Molotov cocktail and hit the other side of the road uh, quite easily. Um, so, so yeah, I was like thrilled that we uh, found silver, and we found that we needed then to find a road within like a uh, hundred miles of that, and we found this beautiful little road beside a, uh, a quarry, which gives it a little, it's scenic, but it's a bit fucked up at the same time, like the, the, like the story. Well, the reason I ask is that the, that we have this kind of conception of the small American town. I mean, do they exist and was it easy to find? They do exist uh, and it's intriguing to kind of go around them. L lots of them have just been left to, to rot to a degree. That's one of the things you kind of find if you, uh, travel especially the southern states like a w <clears throat> i did all that traveling way before the whole and the film was made before trump got in but you could really see how uh small town america was left to rot um and uh, i don't think that really seeps into the film because we wanted the the town in the film to be a slightly more affluent kind of place than than some of the places i, I saw on my travels but it's uh it's it's weird like some of those places feel almost third world like in the way they've been left behind um yeah uh, you said you thought of francis did you write it for francis yeah wrote it for francis and for sam as well and the last one uh, was written for sam and i can't admit if she'd said no if she'd have said no we'd have been uh, completely fucked because there's no one who could who has that you know that um truth and rage and who's sort of so it was so it was partly written with her on-screen persona in mind, like 
Blood Simple and Fargo, but also her uh, her off-screen persona, like that kind of not giving a fuck about Hollywood attitude and not doing the award stuff. Like it's impossible to get her to do any of this stuff. <laughs> and I love that. I think that's really funny. Um, but uh, But like tapping into that attitude of hers. And that was what I was like, with each scene, it was like not just her as the actress, but her as the person. And I didn't even know her. Like I'd bumped into her a couple of times in New York after uh, seeing plays. Um, and we did say about 10 or 12 years ago that we should work together. But, uh, but uh, and, and, and I always wanted to, but um, you know, it took a little bit of time to, um, to uh, decide to, to write this thing. But I sent it to her and uh, she had some issues at the start about it. But uh, and what were they? Well, she she was coming from the point of view that um, uh, a woman in that socioeconomic place wouldn't have had a, a kid at thirty; she'd have had it at twenty. So she wanted uh, Mildred to be a grandmother, and I just okay, okay, I couldn't see how that was ever going to work because then you you then you have to think: where is the mother? Why isn't she there? Yeah. Is that going to be some kind of plot issue? Um, but we. Uh, I think she said she uh, gave the script to Joel Cohen, her uh, hubby, and uh, he said, "Just it's it's good. Just just fucking do it." <laughs> so thankfully, thanks to Joel, we got to make the film. Uh -huh. um, you said you wrote the part for Sam. What, what, what made you think that he was right for that role? Um, because he's a racist prick. Um, and um, no, uh, Jesus, lads. He, uh, he's, just, he's the best. He's the best actor around. Uh, he's definitely the best actor of his generation, I think. And um, it was, it was, it was about because that character is such a prick. Uh, but uh, I wanted that kind of brutish person to still have a hope of change. Uh, at some point in the film, I knew that uh, Sam wouldn't um, would be honest about the, the the racism and the brutishness, but also because he's such an, a decent guy that that those aspects of him would percolate and bubble through, and uh, and there'd be room to maneuver. There'd be room for an audience to to feel like uh, it wasn't a simplistic simple evil uh cop part that there was something else going on and was woody your first choice for the sheriff yeah yeah and uh, and woody conversely like he's equally a, like a lovely guy uh and we needed someone because to some degree uh francis is you know the hero of the piece uh I need uh, we we needed someone who uh, who was her sparring partner who wasn't um, like the first time you see him and in, in, in a very short amount of time you also loved or liked as much as her uh, and Woody has that you know he's, he's he's someone who's although he's a great actor he's also someone you kind of like just mm -hmm. his off-screen persona too so that was uh, the thinking behind sticking him in there. Was it always your intention? Because one, something that's kind of laid out very early in the film is that Mildred may not be quite right in her motivation. She's, she's right in her motivation, but the way she goes about it might be a bit clumsy. I wonder if that was the tension that you always uh, intended to explore. Um, it, more than that, not even clumsy. Like, can you have a character who is coming from the right place, who does 
dreadful things who who goes too far or or sometimes does the uh, indefensible the whole thing for me is is about um exploding the whole hero and villain myth of of storytelling and, and movies um because there's no one in here is who's 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 an old school hero and and even the villains aren't as necessarily as villainous as as they ought to be in a hollywood movie or an american movie um it was about finding something a bit more problematic and a bit more human in all of the these characters do you have rehearsal time in your movies yeah i mean l less on this than than i'd have uh i thought i wanted um, in Bruges, there was like three weeks, and that was just like me and Colin and Brendan in a room, and then Rafe for the last week. Um, and there was a good, a fair bit on Seven Psychos. Frances was quite determined that uh, because she is at war with these policemen, she didn't want to talk to them before filming started or get friendly with uh, Sam and uh, and Woody. I mean, she was friends with them, but uh, she. Uh, she thought that would be detrimental to her uh, character. And I kind of balked at the time, but I think it was a, a completely, completely the right decision. So we did have like about a week and a half of working with Francis and John Hawkes and Lucas Hedges um, and Catherine, the daughter. So we got the family stuff because you need family stuff to feel right and yeah. kind of integral. And then I did stuff with, uh, with, uh, Woody and, and Sam on their own. Is there a difference between preparing for a stage production and a film production? Because w would would you accept that for, a, for from a, an actor in a stage production? Um, no, but that, it's a very different kettle of fish. Like uh, you, you have to um, uh, on a stage thing rehearse it so much that it's like a muscle when it gets on stage. That it's there isn't too much uh, variation from night to night. Really, I think. Um, but with this, it's, it's for me, rehearsals for a film is more about talking through the script with all the actors, even on a one-on-one -on -one basis, to try and convey everything I thought I had, I knew about the character, listening to what they have to say about him or her, and um, uh, finding a, 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 a through place to, to, to begin. Like mostly, like directing-wise, I don't do too much on the day. I don't do too much on the morning of of a, of a shoot. It's all the work's been done before, just by talking through the character and the motivations uh, and um, and the senses of scenes and what and the variations that you want to capture in a scene. Um, but that comes more beforehand than 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 during. And how do you feel about improvisation? Despise it. <laughs> um, no, that's not quite true. I, I don't mind if the tortoise improvises, and and he 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 did in all three scenes. Um, that whole thing when he crawls onto a lap, seriously, uh, a lap at the end that was an improv, um, and it was it's a John Cassavetes tortoise actually. Um, old school joke. Um, but uh, I'm not. I'm. This will sound kind of crappy. There are certain actors you welcome it from. And there are certain actors you don't. Um, well, I was going to say I'll maybe leave it at that. <laughs> well, I was going to say, do you choose actors that that respect the respect the parts as written? Um, yeah, but you don't really know that going in. Um, but all of these actors are, are theatre actors as well as film actors, so 
there's a natural tendency for those guys to um to sort of respect the the text more than your average movie star would for instance um but then there are characters in the film or in the previous films who are a bit more out there like all, all of sam's both of sam sam's characters in the last two films are a bit kind of weird uh so it's kind of okay that there is kind of improvisation in and around uh, uh, those parts, but I, I am a big believer. Like I'm, I'm a, I've, I still think of myself more as a writer than as a director, and I think there is something to be said for defending the writing. Um, and I think it isn't done enough, and I'm proud to be a writer, and I'm proud of my writing more than anything else. I think so. Uh, I think. There's there's a little the the ease into improv is is uh, uh, not something that you know I think it, it, it it's it's the easy way out. Well, to be very specific, do you differentiate between an improvised reaction and an improvised line? Um, no, no. I mean, even sticking when you stick to the script, there's still completely like so much room to maneuver. I think. Um, all that said, like the scene where uh, where uh, uh, Woody coughs up the blood on Francis and she uh, reacts in the way she does. Obviously, that was all written, but the word "baby" wasn't written. That was something that just came out naturally from from Francis's mouth, and it's my favorite word, I think, in the film because it's the f the, the only time where you kind of realize that it's not this war that we thought it was. It's completely human. She doesn't hate him. She cares. Um, and so maybe I do like improv. <laughs> if it's one word per, per movie, <laughs> plus one tortoise. Um, we've got time for questions. I'm afraid you have to wait for the microphone. Um, question over here. This is being filmed, so I'm afraid you have to wait. It's being filmed. Yes. <laughs> Did they not tell you? Thank you. Um, great film, by the way. Loved it. Thank, Thank you. you. And. Um, I was I had a question about the kind of tonal shifts in the film, you know, the veering between tragedy and comedy, and I was curious about at what stage in the process you were making decisions about the pacing of that and the and the kind of how to shift it tonally. Um, uh, it was all there in 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 the script, those those kind of turn on a dime kind of uh, moments, I guess, but uh, there was a stage in the edit where. Um, uh, we where it could have gone either way, uh, so we 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 I remember we showed it to um, some friends in a in a in the first rough cut stage, and uh, a friend said to me because um, there was there was probably like twenty minutes more uh, in it, and most of those scenes were a little bit more on the comedic side, um, and a friend said, um, "Don't be scared of it being a tragedy. It's a tragedy." Uh, that has lost, but it's a tragedy. And up to that point, we're we're making much more of a balance between the, the the tragic and the comic. But once I heard that, and once I realized that that was true, it was really easy to get rid of about four or five scenes that were comic and good, but overbalanced the film into the, to a place of uh, comedy. Um, they're good, and they'll be on the DVD extras, but uh, <laughs> they didn't. Once, once I, once I kind of had in my mind it fixed. It was a tragedy. It was easy to 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 lose all that stuff. But I think I've ha I've got a natural tendency to go from dark to comic and and back again. And 
I'm happy with the, the, the shifts in this, I think. Thank you. Thanks. Question over here. That guy totally nicked my question. <laughs> so um, I'll make it. Improv. One. Yeah, improv, let's go. Um, that was wicked. I really loved it. I thought it was awesome. Thank um, you. Well, since we talked about uh, writing comedy and stuff like that, let's. Um, I just wanted your approach to cinematography and to all that kind of stuff. You say you're more of a writer than you are a director. So how do you get on set and start figuring out your, your shots and stuff? Sure. Uh, well, like after writing a, a script, once I know it's going to happen, then I... Uh, storyboard the whole thing just on my own with little little potato head potato head uh, men and women and uh, but that kind of gives me some kind of at least skeleton visual sense of uh, of the movie and it sets up shots in my mind and and uh, allows at least some kind of through line for when I'm on on set to know how many shots a, a, a scene's gonna take, et cetera, et cetera. And then the next process is meeting up with the DP, and they got a great one on this, Ben Davis, who did the last one too. And we'll talk for all that, and he'll say, well, yeah, we can, we can do that, we can also do that two-shot thing in one shot or whatever else. Um, so I don't really write too many um, visual, uh, 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 too much visually into a script, apart from like the one shot, in, in this, that was always going to be um, a one take, you know, the, the throwing out of the window scene. In fact, we found the town deliberately so that would be able to uh, to happen. Was that all in one shot? Did yeah. you cut as well? Oh, yeah, really no, good. no cuts. Yeah, we were determined not to uh, not to uh, uh, hide from it being a, not to use any kind of uh, any cuts. And uh, we had a great first AD. Uh, Peter Cohen, who I worked on on the last one too, he said, "Yeah, but you could, you know, it's nice to uh, have a have the option of uh, of a cut." But we, Ben and I were like, and that's the first AD kind of uh, statement. But uh, Ben and I were determined that there's a there's a danger in following one character and knowing it's a one shot and and not knowing what the hell this creep is going to do and taking the time to go up the stairs with him and taking the time to see the gun come out, etc., etc., And then taking the time to, to wait for the window to break and, and whatever else will happen. So that kind of stuff was, but that's, I, I see that almost more as a script writing kind of thing, like, because that was in the original script. Awesome. Thank you. Cool. Do you have another question? Oh, oh. Uh, you first, then you two. Um, thank you. I thought it was absolutely wonderful. Thank you. Um, just a question about the... You say that you don't uh, plot ahead any of your uh, writing. I'm assuming that's the same with the plays. Yeah. Uh, so do you find yourself sometimes you're writing for weeks and you get yourself to a hole that you can't just kind of find the patch up? Do you need to go back to the start and change things radically? Um, not to the start. Usually, for me, it, it's there's, if if I hit a dead end, I I know it's it's just like a dead end of like two or three or four pages. So I kind of usually know that the branch where that went off to the wrong place uh, happened, um, and I kind of know it when I'm going in that route. I think, um, but with this, there was a there was a couple of sort of dead ends, but there was a, there was also a whole section that was more to do with the the sun. Uh, played by Lucas in in the movie and that finished up in in the original the very first draft of the script um 
but I knew that that wasn't right. There was a whole load of stuff of him at school and, and being kind of bullied and him standing up to them. But I knew it wasn't right because I knew it was the, the story was all about Francis. So that dead end didn't show itself until the, the script was finished. Um, but once it was, I kind of knew that that was shit. Uh, so it was like really, and I just literally just wrenched that out and everything fell into place without it really but you get you still have kind of shadows and remnants of that detail in a couple of scenes with with the son like being there's something mentioned about getting shit from kids at school and that's enough that's kind of all you need to know really and do you find that you get some scripts that you just can't achieve an end to them yeah and they just get chucked yeah like if it if it chucked in the middle or chucked at the end yeah Thanks. <laughs> um, a question right at the back. Um, brilliant and beautiful movie. It was incredible acting as well. Thank you. Really impressive. Um, this, I thought it was quite smart the way that um, at first with uh, Sam's character, you don't really sympathize with him because of how aggressive he is. And afterwards, when you see that change, you, you find out his background, that he had lost his father. And... Um, that he then went and moved in with his mother, and I thought that was quite smart to do that after, just to sort of understand that we all come from very different places, and you know, and as a result, we all act differently. So there's a lot of good and bad karma. Do you yourself believe in that? And what is your thought about karma in general? In karma, um, uh. I kind of I like the idea of it, but I, I don't know if it's well. We and none of us know if it's true or not. I guess, but uh, I like the idea of it, but it doesn't seem to be happening. Um, <laughs> uh, well, you don't know after this. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so I I don't know, but uh, but it the 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 I guess I I, I hope that redemption can happen. And uh, I guess the film's more about that hope than anything. Um, but karma-wise, I'm, I'm, I don't know, I'm still I'm not sure. <laughs> it is something I think and care about, but uh, I'm not sure. Hope, yeah. well, to follow up on that, to, to follow up on that, um, how do you redeem an irredeemable character? Is it something in the writing? Is it in the, in the direction? Is it in the editing? Um, well, I don't think he is redeemed, but he is starting on a possible path at the end of the film. Um, but I don't think he's redeemed. I don't think he's become a good person. Um, I don't think he's become a hero, but he has realized something. And that's where we leave him, I think. Um, because I've kind of read and heard some stuff about that, I guess, of late. And uh, it, it's not about, a, a, you know, a racist cop who's redeemed it's uh, about a racist cop who has finally realized he's on the wrong path and i think that's an interesting thing to explore you know but it's not um it's not really a film about his redemption i don't think um i hope it's something about something a bit more tricky or, or, or peculiar or, or odd or hopeful in that. Question here. Thanks very much. I enjoyed it. It was great. Um, I write similarly in that I don't structure as well. And um, 
it's very it's very refreshing hearing that you don't. Um, I'm I'm wondering, do you work with somebody then? Because this is really Frances's her story, but you have all those fantastic subplots going with all the other characters, and they all are sort of in one sense or another fairly neat. I don't mean that in a bad way. I particularly love the <coughs> fact that you put them in hospital together. The, um, do you have somebody who you work on that a little bit with, or get? Do you just have readers and feedback, or? No, no, no. That's all. That's all uh, my sort of stuff. But I, I guess, like from my theatre stuff, I always, I think that's the f the stuff I find find the easiest, the kind of mathematical plot stuff, um, um, and that that is like a tidy little wrap up, but. I think that's it's okay to do that sometimes. Um, it, it's it's almost theatrical, but it's it's. I, I hope it works. I think it works. Um, but no, it's just it's just me on my own with my pencils. Do you, do you ever get notes? What are they? <laughs> no, I like I I kind of determinedly, luckily, uh, like I was always very arrogant as a playwright, but and luckily. I made the move into films after that period of arrogance. So, uh, like, uh, we, we kind of set up uh, each film with the proviso of no notes and final cut. And, um, yeah, just give us the money and shut up. So so far, it's working. Uh, I know it's unusual, but, uh, but I think it is the way to go. <laughs> um, we've got time for a couple more questions. Oh, chat here. <coughs> Um, I enjoy the film immensely, thank you. Um, thank you. A lot of the characters in your films are, are wonderfully deep and um, they have characteristics that are unexpected and often amusing. Is that also something that occurs in the writing process or, or is it something that evolves when you're rehearsing or shooting? Uh, that's, that's pretty much all there in, in the writing. Um, uh, those, those quirks and those oddnesses, I think, are, are always there. Um, uh, like pretty much, if I if I show you the script of this, it, it it's it's pretty much what you what you saw on on the screen, but it's but when you work with actors as good as these, you know, it, it is kind of like working on a play. They 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 flesh it out completely, and they bring every piece of their own humanity or or, or craft uh, to it. So so hopefully, it should always feel as if they're making it up on the spot. Uh, but no, it's all me. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But uh, but you know what I mean. It's 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 it, there is a way to write in a style that seems improvisational. That seems like it's um, um, people, you know, yeah. speaking and coming up with lines as we speak in in real life. Yeah. But there's there's a way of writing dialogue like that. I think. That's good. That. Thank you. Yeah, brilliant, absolutely brilliant, brilliant Thanks. cast, brilliant story, uh, really enjoyed it. Um, I did have one question, it was, why midgets? <laughs> Excuse me, dwarfs. Um, Thank you, pardon. <laughs> well, I, I, like, I, oh, uh, uh, I always um, think, and I think you should, why couldn't this character be anything, you know, why, why does it have to be a, I think w when you're a guy writing, the natural thing is to write guys. So you have to at least, you know, you have to start to break out of that. And, and if you're a white guy writing, the natural thing is to write, write white guys. So you, once you start to unravel that uh, obviousness, you should try and unravel it to the nth extreme, I guess. And, and not that dwarfs are the nth extreme. But, but I do always think, well, why couldn't any character be a woman or black or a dwarf or whatever else? And I... 
and we all probably need to go further with that, but uh, it's a start. But then, then you also go, well, if it was a dwarf in a small town in America, are they all going to treat him with respect and love? And that's the next thing you go, well, probably no. Um, and then what happens to a character where, where that is true? And, but I think Peter's character is probably the only really decent, sweet, <laughs> honorable person in the whole film, and he gets shafted <laughs> as well. Um, but, I, but I love Peter Dinklage, and, I, and I, even though he doesn't have a lot to do in this, I, I'd like to do a lot more with him. Do you know, you, do you know what you're going to be doing next? I've got, uh, I wrote a play this year, and that'll be on next year with Jim Broadbent at the Bridge Theatre, Nick Heitner's new theatre. So that's should be. It's my most fucked up play ever. So it <laughs> tells you a bit about what it's like. And another film? Yeah, but not for a, f a few years. I'm like a mini Terence Malick. I just like take <laughs> f five years off each 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 one. Um, but I've got. I, I, I'd like to get Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson back again, uh, back together again. And I'd, I'd I'd like to come up with a couple of there's a couple of film ideas that I'd like to write next year, uh, but I don't have any plans for two or three years. I think. I'm afraid that's all we have time for. Thank you, Martin. Thank you, guys. Thank you.